Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and I have a bonus episode for you this week. Uh, this is bonus episode number 12, uh, and on this episode, I have Jonah of the band One Line Drawing. Um, he's also been in a number of other projects and we talk a little bit about that um as far as you know he was in a band called far uh new and original gratitude uh he's worked with a ton of incredible artists over the years uh both as a guest vocalist a you know co-writer the whole nine yards um so this was a really cool interview for me and a really cool conversation that that he and I had about his new album called Tender Wild. Uh, that is dropping June 24th, uh, so the same day that this episode is going live. Um, and yeah, we talked about the album. We got really fucking deep uh, about life and kind of spirituality and existence within this world. Uh, it all tied into music, though, and it was really fucking cool to have this connection where, you know, we're talking about music, but also how music, you know, takes on a life of its own and is this object, if you will, that connects us all and, and you know, brings people together and things like that. It was just a really dope conversation, and I'm, you know, huge shout-out to Jonah. So thankful for him having this conversation with me. Um so yeah, let's let's do this. Let's dive in to my conversation with Jonah of One Line Drawing. So uh, to kick things off, I do start with the same boring ass question every time. That's the simple introduction, man. Who are you? What do you do? And why are we having this talk? Yeah, it's a good way to start, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> my name is Jonah. I uh, do a thing called One Line Drawing which has been kind of a musical home for me for a lot of time and I've done a lot of bands otherwise. And we're here to talk about my new one line drawing album and all of the related fun with that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so for people that aren't familiar with you and I'll admit, I wasn't super familiar with you at least I thought initially. So uh, when the team reached out and was like, hey, you know, do you want to, you know, link up and, and have this conversation? I was like, yeah, sure, you know, because they've never steered me wrong. And then I started digging into, like, who you are and the catalog and things like that. And, like, for people that aren't familiar, let's talk about kind of how rich your history is because you are by no means new to the scene, you know, new to the industry, What's this been like, you know, the evolution of, of your sound and finding, like you said, a home in one line drawing um, to, to be this outlet for you? Wow. Yeah, it's true. I have been around a while now. Um, I suppose this in a lot of ways this year pretty much marks 30 years of trying to make music in my life. I mean, I was doing it before then but that was when i started thinking of it as like huh could this be a job um and so yeah we're a few decades in a lot of really loud music made some very quiet music made um none of it 
particularly popular, but it's been my only job and I've, you know, made a living doing it and I've made things I'm really proud of that I think have aged well. And I think I'm at the part of my career where I'm like seeing sort of generations of artists that have been influenced by what I've done. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a trippy feeling. Um, <laughs> and I like it. And, and, and I'm really excited about making more music. Like it actually, I still feel very much like a newbie in a lot of ways to making music because that's what I think that's what the attraction of music is. It's always some new creative adventure. So I'm super psyched on the new stuff, but it's true. I've been around a while. Yeah, no. And I think, you know, it's, it's almost like a surreal moment, right? When you yes. when you figure out like, oh, there are, there are now artists that have heard my stuff and I have in some way influenced what they want to do. Yeah, it's trippy. I mean, it, there's there's definitely been I mean, kind of like you were saying it I, I think a lot of people they might actually know my voice, but they have and they might even know it from a couple different places, but they don't know the human that's making that sound. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's strange that way. And, and I think I, I often have the conversation with people where I'll say a few things that I've done. I don't know that, you know, and then, then they'll, then they'll realize, Oh my God, you were on that song or you were in that band. And yeah. all of a sudden it, it sort of opens up, but it's, it's true. Yeah. It's a strange, strange little road. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, for me, um, when I was, you know, digging into, like I said, kind of who you were and stuff, because I just wasn't familiar or so I thought. And then yeah. finding out that you did, you know, backup vocals with Thursday and right. one of my favorite bands. And, you know, you've you've done like all this stuff you co-wrote with Taproot and like all of these bands that when I started reading the list, I'm like, holy shit, man, like this dude has done stuff, you know? And like, yeah. I think you're, you're one of those, like a, a best kept secret in a sense, right? Like you've done incredible things, but just nobody got the name recognition to you for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know whether it's a weird name or that I really never stuck in one scene or not. Um, but for whatever reason, I, it is this, uh, it's a neat feeling. I've had a lot of wonderful things happen and they're strange little dots. And for anyone who wants to kind of get curious and connect, there's a lot there. Um, and when also we're in just an incredibly, the, the world has only gotten noisier since I started doing this. Um, so it's now yeah, that's very like, fair. <laughs> yeah. Songs and names and, I mean, everything is just flying around these days. It's just everything's moving real fast. Um, so, yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, and that may be something that, that we touch on a little bit here as we, we discuss kind of your evolution. And I don't even know that, like, you've evolved your sound, obviously. Um, but, like, it's it's matured, it's grown. But I wouldn't say that you've necessarily been, like, you you've not genre-jumped in the sense of, at least for what I've picked up on of like, I'm going to do, you know, heavy metal that didn't work. So now I'm going to go be a country singer. You know, it, it's not been that drastic of a, a oh, no. Yeah. I mean, I've always just been a songwriter and it's 
been at different volumes and stuff. I just adore songs. I adore choruses. I adore melodies. I adore a cool turn of phrase. Um, music has been much more of a therapeutic outlet for me than anything else. And it's almost like whatever shape is in front of me that feels interesting, that's what I'll do. Um, I mean, looking back on it, I can't think of other artists uh, who have as kind of strange and diverse an output as I have. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, it definitely was never a conscious thing. It was, yeah, and I've certainly never changed the way I uh, sort of look or present or my personality or my branding or whatever right, to, right. To, to fit anything. It's just been making stuff. And probably, you know, if I had done stuff like that, maybe people would have heard of me more. Who knows? Um, but but I have yeah. not. I've just been this strange little animal that I am doing these different things and not really worrying about the publicity part. Well, and, you know, it, the the flip side of that, I think, is the fact that, like you said, for, you know, let's call it 30 years now, you've been able to do music and be your job and, you know, be pretty successful at it. There are yeah. people that, you know, do con conform to all those other things and, oh, this is our image, this is our sound, this is what we're going to do, and we're very corporate, and they they don't amount to anything. So, you know, I think there's a level of, at least respect and admiration for you that um, you are able to stay true to yourself and still be able to put this much into creating this art. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's really, that's very generously spoken. And I, I do think it's true. Um, I think the good thing about doing it the way I want to do it and having the music come first as cliche as those things are a lot of people don't actually do that and I have all the respect in the world for strategy and consistency and stability um, and it's just never been the place I like to live I like to live in the land of ideas um, well, that's, yeah that's something I noticed with the music too as I kind of dove into your catalog is you know, like it obviously your music is structured because it's music, but yes. like, I don't, I don't see you as conforming to like looking at anything that you've released and going, man, he just tried to fit into whatever was popular at that time. Like that is not in your repertoire at all. Yeah, no, if anything, I've been consistently, I think the most flattering way to put it is that I've been consistently ahead of my time. Um, and there are definitely records I've made that either a few years later or 10 years later, or, you know, 20 years later, you know, I'm hearing people make records like those and, and they might've heard me or they might've heard people that were influenced by me, or they might've heard people who are influenced by inf people who are influenced by me. Um, you know, you bring up Thursday We're you know, Thursday themselves are old heads in the scene. And I, you know, far had already broken up when I heard Thursday's first, demo their manager at that point sent it to me saying you're gonna love these guys and um and i did and it was and when we've become really good friends and but uh so now they have influenced by a bunch of people and they were influenced by the early music that i did so it's a strange relationship with uh with influence at this point yeah, no, and that's that's I think one of those incredible things that 
everyone that's in the music industry obviously kind of aspires to have happen is like I want to I want to inspire somebody to do something and then I want them to eventually come back to me and be like hey you know this this was kind of inspired by you but now I I want you on this because I respect your work um and I think not for not for the like self-adulation side of it but for the no yeah for the knowledge and and feeling that I've done something that was meaningful and impactful. Yes, I and even the meaningful and impactful things are a kind of they can be a bit scary to start to play with. Uh, just sort of any result, any result from the music or anything is a kind of potential gateway to a lot of pain, I suppose. So I mostly just stick with doing the part. But to your point, validation is wonderful <laughs> to to hear a young band and to have them invite me into what they're doing and to watch them grow up. And, and really, my favorite thing right now is just seeing human beings who... I remember seeing them at like 20 years old at a show forever ago. And now they're married and have kids and stuff. And um, I, they're a thing that regularly marvels me is that I, I've now met a few little Jonas that were named after me. Um, And it's just a very strange and wonderful feeling uh really validating really sweet i love being in part of people's lives i think it's the way that human beings live on is when we live on in each other's memory and i think that's really wonderful um and i definitely don't take it lightly and i try not to get too attached to it because i think again any expectation of result or material gain or validation or or fame or anything it's all not the point um and I really, I'm enjoying continuing to follow that North Star because it's felt a little bit unsteady at times, but looking back on it, I'm really happy I did. Yeah, no, and I think that goes back to, like you said, that you use your music a lot as a, a therapeutic escape to some extent. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's one of the most beautiful things about music. And I actually have a second podcast called Musicians for Mental Health. Because, oh, beautiful. Yeah, because it, it it's exactly that, right? Like everybody, especially creatives, it, it feels like, you know, everybody deals with these things and we never know what we're allowed to say. So we put them into lyrics, we put them into poems, things like that, because, well, then it's art. Yeah. And like, it's it's okay to, to create art, but maybe it's not as okay to, to just talk about things. And I think, yes. you know, that's that's where that strength comes in with what you're doing is, you know, these these songs that are a therapy are also resonating with people and they're going, hey, you know, that sounds like something I've been through or that helps me get past this thing that I've been through. It is a beautiful thing to hear that any song I've ever made or anything I've done has helped anyone get through anything. It's really, it's it's because getting through this life I'm not going to say it's difficult or whatever, but it can certainly appear difficult. It can feel painful. It can feel scary. 
it can feel stressful. And if I can be a support to anyone else the way people have been a support to me, then that's a pretty wonderful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I do want to dive into to the album a little bit. Um, yeah, it's a good me... segue, actually, because the album is all about that in <laughs> yeah, every way. It, exactly. Uh, it's called Tender Wild, uh, dropping June 24th via Iodine Records. Um, yes. So the thing I think with this, you know, I've gotten to listen to it a few times through already. Um, and I think the thing for me is, A, I stopped doing, you know, you've been in the industry a long time too. I've been doing music journalism for around 19 years now. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Um, so the thing I stopped doing is going, hey, tell me what this song is about exactly. You know, like sure, what sure. girl broke your heart? Because right, I don't right. want to take it away from somebody else. There's, I, you know, I learned that that connection is so important that, well, maybe I took it as a breakup song, but you were writing it because they didn't have pancakes that day. You know what I mean? Beautiful. Like, yes, there, yes. <laughs> there's so much to it. But what I do want to talk about is conceptually, you know, you talk about the Tender Wild, and I think, you know, my take on that is this amazing expanse and, and wilderness and nature, if you will, that allows the chaos of the world to exist, but in a much softer sense. Beautiful. I love that. Uh, yes. Uh, that, uh, yeah. Again, to your point, I was not trying to <laughs> say that per se, but I kind of was because that's, it's basically a word that I, you know, obviously tender and wild are both known words. So it's really whatever it, it's called when you smash two words together. Um, and to make the new word that that makes is what I want my life and my love and in particular the love that i was referring to and thinking of when i wrote the song the song was actually my wedding vows um oh, so i'll okay. be really specific about that yeah. so it does have a home in a specific place and like a lot of the relationship songs i've written it isn't really about one specific person it's more about how i want to show up in the world or maybe how i don't want to show up in the world and how I want to show up is with a tender, wild love. I I want to be gentle with others. I want to be gentle with myself. And I love being wild in the sense of not really worrying about human conventions or what is the, the sort of the most easily seen path, but kind of getting off the road a little bit and getting into the woods. Um, Again, it can be scary and it's really, it's really sweet. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And, you know, I think obviously that's an important one to maybe be a little specific about since it is your wedding vows. Um, we don't necessarily want people to, to take it the wrong way, but I think, you know, the, the overarching concept of the album too, you know, while it's not necessarily a conceptual album in the sense of like, I'm telling a story about this character and this is what they're going through. There is definitely like a connection to all these songs um, and a way that they flow through this album that I think, so I'm, I'm a stickler about the first two to three times minimum that you listen to a new album. It's gotta be front to back. Like that's yeah. just, that's my yeah. rule. And I, I love think, that. 
I think if people do that, you know, the first listens, that kind of surface level listen, just see what catches your attention. The yeah. second, the second one, you dig in a little bit deeper. You're, you know, figuring out what's in those spaces. And then yes. the third one is where you're really diving into the, the lyrics and going, you know, how, how do I resonate with this? And I think when people do that with this album, there's underlying tendencies in these songs that maybe, you know, from track one, get a dog to everyday angels, you're going to be like, Oh shit. Like I see a little bit of connection here. I think I get you yes. know, this, this feeling. Yes. I, 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 I love the way you listen it is a. It's similar to how I tend to listen to music, um, and it's it's also a way that I write. In the sense that, I think one of the things I love about songs is that they're such superficial little things, and yet, if you want to take the time, then within that you know three minutes, five minutes, whatever it is. There's a whole little world there, a whole little ecosystem. Um, and yes, things connect to each other. Songs kind of reach back to each other across albums, across years. Uh, I think if there's one experience I've had with my music is that I don't even know what the song is about until like five years later. Um, right. <laughs> it ten even Tenderwild, one that was written in such a specific content context and has such a personal meaning for me. I really might hear that song in five years or someone might mention it to me um, for whatever reason. And all of a sudden it will experience uh, something entirely new. And, and I will, it's, yeah, it's, they grow up like kids. I really, I really do believe that. So I, this record for me is about getting through this past few nutty years in our world. And about lots of feelings of overwhelm and then some peace and some sweetness and a lot of things about sort of showing up for each other and finding your people. And all of that is just, I mean, Everyday Angels has already changed a few times in my head about what it really means since I wrote it. Um, it's one of the sort of older songs on the record. Um, so it's uh it's cool that you that you bring that up and I it's um yeah get a dog is sort of this giddy beginning to the record and everyday angels is it's almost like maybe get a dog is this neat start and everyday angels is middle revisiting of that theme and what we are to each other and then uh, the second to last tune hello from here is one last little kind of reconnection with someone and then you're a home of course is is the sort of peaceful resolution um i did give myself that yeah no and i i think that's a very very at least to me a very apparent theme um through the the album and i think it is one of those things you know you made the comment that these songs have kind of changed what they mean to you and maybe they have different connections and i think Again, you know, like maybe I sound sappy or hopeless romantic about music, but I think that's one of the beautiful things about music is that, you know, I've I've got songs that, you know, from Bayside, for example, that 
got me through some really dark times. But now when I listen to him, because I'm on the other side of those dark times, I'm like, this isn't necessarily a, a lifeline anymore. It's a picture to look back and say, I survived, you know, or whatever the case may be. And I think that's something too, within your music, you know, you've got a couple songs that are, you know, maybe not as dark or direct as uh, Anthony writes some of his stuff. But there's definitely those moments where you're like, man, this this was a a dark time or a gray time, and I I know what that feels like, and I just want to sit here and and live in it for a minute. For sure, uh, it's it's they do they are they're sweet they're sweet companions, um, and I know it's this is you interviewing me, but um, what did or do you do in Bayside? Uh, I don't do anything in Bayside. So I've interviewed them uh, several times uh, over the years. But um, no, I've just, you know, they were one of my favorite bands of all time. And, you know, I've talked to Jack and Anthony about all kinds of stuff, you know, from the writing process and and lyrics and things like that. But they just, they've always come through. Like, I can remember um, a synonym for Acquiesce, you know, off off one of the very first albums in fact, the first album really um, was at a time in my life where like I was struggling through through getting out of high school and, you know, trying to find my place in life and broke up with a girl and just had that moment of like, fuck, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Mm, Yeah. But now looking back, you know, that same song comes up on a playlist and I'm like, cool, I survived that, that will, you know, and looking back, it wasn't that bad of a time, you know, in, in hindsight. And I think maybe you can attest to this too, that in those moments, when we're in those moments, it's the darkest and scariest place we can be. Once we get through those moments and look back, we're like, man, that, that really wasn't as big as I made it up to be. Yes. I think, I think that's, uh, that's one of those lessons that I get to keep learning because I have that experience and then I'm in another thing that feels like it's endless. And then I look back at that thing. There's that, that thing people talk about, about you know, being in a dark hallway and seeing a little light at the end of the tunnel, as it were, or whatever. And then getting to the door and opening the door and my eyes adjust to the light and I'm, in kind of a bright space and and then I look way way down and there's something way down there and then I start walking like it's dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and then I'm in the dark again and I'm looking at a little light door at the end of another tunnel and and so it's this sort of endless this yeah. endless series of this but yeah I think that it's just, there's a reason that lights at end of tunnels and stuff I think are so often used and to, to try and describe life and parts of life. It, it just feels like that for me. Yeah, for sure. And I am never going to remember the quote, so I'll just paraphrase, but there's, there's the quote or saying about, you know, that you, you don't see stars during the daytime, right? Like you have right, to have darkness right, right. to see these lights. And sure. The, the most beautiful thing in the world is sun, sunrises, sunsets. And then if you get just a, beautiful clear night there's nothing better and like i don't think enough people i 
didn't know we were going to get this deep in this, to be honest, Jonah, but I'm okay with it. Uh, I don't think enough people go out and, and just look at the stars, you know, like if you want to really get out of your head and understand that in the grand scheme of things, you are a fucking speck of dust in time, go out and look at the stars on a clear night because nothing matters at that moment. Yes. That is true. And I, I spend a lot of time looking at stars and looking at skies and looking at really tiny things or really massive things and checking out myself in relation to those things. So I enjoy all of that very much. And the nothingness, I've been really thinking a lot about nothingness lately. Um, and it is liberating to be a tiny little speck. And that in and of itself can be quite scary as well. Um, so it's a very, it's a very interesting thing. I don't want to be overly self-important and I feel like it's important to hang on to some sort of meaning, if nothing else, to just exist in the system we've made. Um, I don't think it's required for being a, a living thing. Um, and we do have a lot of language in our culture about purpose and meaning and importance. And it's a kind of a mindfuck. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I definitely agree. Like I, I don't want to say that, you know, life means nothing because that's not true. Um, I had a near death experience last year that really awoken me to like on the one side of the coin. Yes. Life is just a fucking ridiculous concept but when it was so close to being taken away from me looking at it from this side of everything now going man like i've missed out on a lot of shit because i was so worried about myself or what i was dealing with i wasn't able to relinquish any power and just live life yes that letting go of control it's I think the best place I know how to hang out when it comes to all of this stuff is just, I don't know, because as far as I can tell, all of the meaning of life is things that we've made up. And it's actually, I think, caused a lot of trouble. Um, and so I don't think there is any sort of meaning to life and yet cause and effect I experienced that as real. Mm -hmm. And what many people see as chaos in, the, in that sort of hopeless way. And then many other people maybe go too far the other direction and try and make a bunch of meaning out of it, make a bunch of stories and say, you've got to live this way. And then you're being a good person and all the things it, I like to try and find somewhere uh, between those two poles where I understand that I don't know about the complexity of the universe. I don't know how cause and effect works. I, I, I believe in it as a principle. It seems apparent um, that, that we're all connected seems apparent to me because nothing is nothing and we're all touching the same nothing. So we're all connected. So it all, it all seems pretty obvious to me. And yet anything beyond that, especially why it works the way it does. 
I have no fucking idea. And that again, it's, it can be a scary thing to admit, but I do find more sweetness and serenity in admitting that than I do find stress. Uh, stress usually comes to me when I'm trying to make things mean a certain thing or I'm trying to control an outcome. And it's interesting that you brought up the near death experience because I do think that our impending mortality is very suffocating in a lot of ways and is also a way in which I can really clear my head sometimes if I just mm -hmm. kind of go, okay, if I were dying right now, if the boulder's coming at me, do I want to be hanging on to this resentment? Um, and so I use that quite a bit and some of the most clear-headed beautiful authentic people i've ever been around have been people who are terminal um yeah. and so i really try to stick to that awareness that whatever this is it seems like it can end at any moment or at least you know this part of the existence i don't i don't I don't, you know, I don't believe in ghosts and stuff. And I don't believe in that my immortal human spirit that's unique. And like, I don't really think that's a thing. And I do believe that I'm somehow an individual and also somehow a part of a really large whole uh, with, with a W. Um, and it's there's some there's some neat paradox of that it's sort of like the self-will god's will paradox it just i don't know what how all that works i just know that i don't know and that is the place that i like to sit and that's where songs come from is the place of i don't know yeah as far as i can tell yeah no and i i think that's very well said and i i definitely agree you know with not to get like super religious or or spiritual sure. or anything like that but like with my near-death experience uh so long story super short is basically uh at the end of january last year i contracted covid and yep. almost died from it i uh, had to Fuck, be lifelined man. was put on ecmo like was in a medical coma for 20 days you know like uh -huh. yards uh, uh -huh. But, you know, as far as I remember, whether maybe my brain blocked something out or whatever, if, if that's somebody's belief system, but I didn't see the white light. You know, I didn't have the the all my relatives came around me type of moment. It was just, sure. oh, it's it's dark. And, you know, here we go. Like it, it was a done in scene, <laughs> you know, thin on the movie. Like we're just we're done. And, you know, I don't know what's beyond, if anything. My personal belief is nothing. I mean, that's just how I am as well, that, you know, my quote-unquote immortal soul isn't going to, you know, remain some stream of consciousness. And I think that's, for me, a comfort too, though, because why would I want it to be? You know what I mean? Like, why would we want our stream of consciousness to continue past our last day around those that we love. And obviously on the religious side, people are going to say, well, because then you get to be back with all your previous loved ones and all that. 
but like realistically what i what i took away from it is you know after coming through all that was this this clarity like you said of like okay so i've got this time on earth however long it is and it's most likely out of my control as far as that to do things that matter to me and are positive to those around me yeah that's what it kind of if there's any measure of course it does seem to come down to the that feeling in a room where everyone is feeling safe and happy and yeah, giving someone a pat on the back when they need it or giving them a hug when they need it or, you know, just these little things. Or There are moments that of joy that do feel like, well, gosh, this has got to be something like the goal of life. Um, and I, that, that could be true. I, I, I mean, it's interesting. I don't, yeah, I don't believe in the heaven spirit thing. I think that's all pretty vain kind of, stuff that's based in language at, which is a, mm-hmm. which is itself an incredibly young and ridiculous clumsy technology um in terms of writing words down and being very specific about them and all of the things that we do it seems like lots of other really wonderfully sentient beings get along great for millennia without <laughs> seemingly writing words down um so i don't know about all that and I do experience myself as infinite in the sense that if I am a part of this everything that is that is all we know, then it could be that it might be really great to feel like dirt. Like whatever dirt experiences helping a tree grow might be like the greatest feeling of love and bliss ever. So... I'm really curious to change shape. I'm happy with this shape right now. And whatever shape my body takes and however that works with thoughts. And again, thoughts are so so language-based. But yeah, I I think it's just a feeling of, if there's anything that feels real good in this existence, it's a feeling of connection with someone. It's a feeling that, yeah, like validation. We were talking about that and, and being grateful to have been part of someone's life and music helping people through all of that seems to come back to connection. And I think that's always what I have been writing about and what I'm looking for. And perhaps what everyone and everything is looking for is just that feeling of oneness. Yeah. And so to my <laughs> weird imagination about dirt, for all I know, yeah, the dirt close to the tree feels really good. And the dirt, you know, out in the dry, acrid field feels pretty shitty. Like I feel some days, like it could be like that too. Uh, right. You know, maybe dirt has a really complex emotional life. And I, I, I have to believe that that's true just cause I try to kind of focus on the simple things that appear true to me. And then I extrapolate from that. And if I believe that, everything is made of the same stuff as everything else is, which is science keeps on telling us that over and over again, then I have to believe that a rock's life is every bit as complex as mine. It's just on a really different scale because a rock has been 
around for a lot longer than this body of mine has. Um, but I can't really, I don't know. I think a lot of the, I think a lot about the world and more in frequency actually, or, or maybe speed mm-hmm. that, you know, glass for instance, is just, it's just liquid moving really, really, really slowly. And I love that idea. And I love the idea that a little hummingbird or, you know, or a much tinier entity might live for a very short amount of time and seemingly has a very full existence for while it's here. Um, and so anyway, it's just, it's all this stuff is just, I try to take the most simple mundane shit that I can possibly think of about our existence and get to a place that feels relatively solid, like cause and effect or like interconnectedness. And then just kind of gently, carefully go out from there and watch for where I'm making up stories because I want something to be true. Because that's, I think, where I get myself in trouble. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with with all of that. And I think, you know, people are going to listen to this podcast and be like, what the fuck are these guys on? <laughs> but... <laughs> Sober, don't cold sober, I swear. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, like, I didn't intend on us getting this deep, you know, philosophical type of uh, conversation necessarily. But I think it it also ties back into, you know, when we talk about, like, the stream of consciousness and thoughts and, you know, using the language side of it, tying that back into the art and being able to manipulate these sounds and these words to mean something and give purpose to that existence is a really powerful thing. You know, like, like you said, with your little kind of analogy with dirt, you know, dirt closest to a tree helping sustain its life maybe is the, the most rewarding feeling. Well, art is kind of the same way, you know, maybe that's the most fulfilling thing I can do is put these things out there for others to, to grow with. Yes. And where that gets really wonderfully reciprocal is that it's very easy to imagine myself as a tree and every little penny that anyone has offered to me for my music or my time or whatever is these little specks of soil that make up the ecosystem by which I thrive. Um, and so I am being supported and the stuff I create is in and of itself supporting in some way life, growth, creativity. So I think, again, a lot of the whatever I'm not a, as good at science as I could be, but, <laughs> the, you know, that, that, that whatever process happens with the nutrients going from the dirt into the tree, out into whatever they do. They do, they help us, they, they have a, they turn carbon dioxide into oxygen. Is that true? Whatever they do, they make it breathable for us again. And then we breathe and we do it. And the whole thing keeps going. And so that sort of loop, those big and little loops, I'm very interested in, in being a part of those, not in the sense that I want to try really hard to be a part of those, but I'm interested in observing myself as a creature somewhere in that cycle and music is the main thing that I do in that cycle. I, I somehow process trauma 
like it's the carbon dioxide and spit out oxygen like the tree did, except it's a song. Um, and I think that's what I love to do. And I think that what people love, what we tend to love, what I tend to love is seeing an animal at peace or a creature of any sort. I don't want to limit it to the word animal. Seeing something do what it loves to do. And that can be this obvious thing like seeing whatever dogs playing with each other in the park. And it certainly they seem pretty fucking happy, you know, like whatever happiness yeah. <laughs> is, it seems like that's true. And I could be making that up, but it, it seems like it. And just really enjoying that feeling in all its forms and the way I think I enjoy this life the most is when I'm dreaming up an idea and then I guess when I'm sharing it with people and to go back to what you said earlier that because it is beautiful when someone says your song found its way into my life and it really did a lot of good for me that's a pretty amazing feeling it's true yeah yeah and I think you know now that I'm ready to segue us back onto the album. Let's uh, do it. Let's do it. Yeah, try, yeah, yeah. Try to railroad us back over there. Um, yeah. I think one of those tough. songs it's for tough. me is uh, Don't Give Up, you know? Like, yeah, right. That, I mean, that's exactly, that's about as, I call that song the heartbeat of the album in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great example of a, a song, you know, obviously the title is on the nose. The lyrics are a little on the nose when it comes yep. to like the message. Totally. totally. But, I think it's such an important message that it's one that didn't need to be veiled in the story with all these analogies. And uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to hide what I'm really talking about. It's just a simple message of, Hey, you know, like life is worth living. Don't give up. Like there's more to this. Yep. Yep. I know those words. I think one of the things I'm fascinated with about pop songs is that yeah, everything, <laughs> everything's been said before. Um, <laughs> and so don't give up, of course. Those words have been uttered eight million times. And yet, when I'm in a really tough place, just someone putting their hand on my shoulder and saying, don't give up. It, It's all I need. Yeah. And so I think I really enjoy taking words like love, and life and phrases like don't give up. And I like almost reminding myself and anyone else who wants to listen why those sequences of words or those words themselves are so evocative and powerful. Uh, and that song in particular, yeah, I knew when I wrote the chorus, I was like, as you said, you know, that's, you know, it's, that's, that's not, super clever it's just it's just don't give up no matter what now don't you stop don't give up um but those were the words that was there and they really helped me and they felt really beautiful to sing and that's what comes down for me is it first things first i'm feeding myself i'm taking care of myself i'm getting through this life and when i wrote that lyric it wasn't like ooh, the world really needs to hear this again for me um it was i really needed to hear that clearly and I needed to hear it so badly that the words appeared in my head. I wasn't thinking of anyone else then. I wasn't writing it for anyone else. And that wouldn't make it less powerful if I were. But I know, for instance, that one, I just, yeah, I really, 
I needed to hear those words then. And then they kept echoing through me. And I think I love trying to, it's almost like these little traditions we have. We've got the don't give up song. We've got the fall in love song. We've got the breakup song. We've got the fight song. We've got the angry, you know, we've got all these things now. Mm-hmm. And I love kind of just doing my little, my own little contribution to it. Like don't give up is my little contribution to the songs about not giving up. That's it. And, and if someone, if it speaks to someone better than the other ones, great. If it, if it doesn't, that's, oh, that's wonderful too. Uh, but yeah, I really, I, I really like the way you said that. And um, I often think of songs, especially the choruses is, I try not to be too clever, too clever with them. I really try to hear what's there for me and try not to be self-conscious about it. And, and then the verses I kind of play and I get a little more obtuse sometimes, but yeah, I, I like to, I like to just kind of say it as simply as I know how to. A lot of my favorite writers and poets are like that. Some of them are really obtuse and wacky and take a lot of interpretation, but a lot of them, they just kind of say it how they mean it and it works out. Yeah. And I think, you know, with that, it, it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier about, you know, trying not to take away anybody's connection from songs and things like that. Yeah, um, exactly. You mentioned writers and, and poets too. Like I've read, you know, some, some incredible books and some poetry and stuff. And it's like, Oh man, you know, this is, this is what I got out of it, you guys. And then the, the friends that have read the same stuff are like, what the fuck did you read? Because that's not the way I took that at all. And I think that's, you know, going back to your music where sometimes you are a little on the nose, but it's for the betterment of the message rather than like, oh, we're going to let everything get hidden. You know, maybe don't give up was what I meant, but I never said those words. So nobody really knows that that's a song about getting through another day. Yeah, it. I love that. It's, it's not that... I think I'm just kind of an on-the-nose creature. I mean, I'm, I, I get pretty wild with my thoughts, as evidenced by this conversation. <laughs> and I like wandering around. And ultimately, I love the comfort of saying it really simply. And those are the songs that really do it for me. And it isn't that surprising to me that the, the noises that I make tend to be pretty hard on the sleevey. Um, and I would say, actually, I, I think I was more obtuse in a lot of ways as a younger writer. And I really love those tunes too. And sometimes I go, gosh, that's, that's really, that's interesting. And I guess on a bad day, when I'm feeling badly about myself, I, I wonder, oh, should I do it more like that? Or, you know, that's when the insecurities pop up and people pleasing and all the things. And, I really just come back to, no, this is, this is the way it feels right, right now. Um, and maybe I'll start writing obtuse songs that no one knows the fuck I'm talking about again sometime. <laughs> but for now I'm writing songs that are pretty easy to parse, you know, and, uh, there might be some lines in there that people wonder about, but yeah, they're pretty direct. And I think that's just way, maybe where, where I am right now in my life or something. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing, and and maybe it's because, you know, I'm 38 years old myself now, 
Am I 38? I don't even know how old I am anymore, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm whatever age I am now. Um, but no, hey, uh, 37. I, haven't, I guess I haven't crossed that threshold yet. But either way, the, the point being, you know, obviously, you know, like I said at the very beginning, your, your songs have evolved in the sense that you've matured as a songwriter. You've let this thing grow with you versus... Here we are, it's 1996, 1997, whatever, like I'm going to create these same songs forever because that's the only thing that I want to remember. Like your your body of work lives through the years and I think it's a really cool thing with yours especially is that A, there's a shitload of it for anybody that's listening to this still and, and wants to dig into it. There is so much fucking work from you. Um, but I think, you know, I like to look at them as little snapshots of kind of where you were in those moments in your life. Yeah. I just, uh, not too long ago, I wrote a book, a kind of a, a memoir, I guess, of raising my kid and trying to make music for a living and the way those two centers of my heart supported each other and tugged at each other. And I, on the back of it, I wrote, you know, where people write what the book's about speaking of being mm -hmm. obtuse. I, I couldn't really think of a summation, so I just wrote. I think I, I think I wrote, I wrote it as simply as I could. The songs are signposts. It's for her, and the songs are signposts part is exactly what you just said. That when I realized I was when I was trying to sort of retrace my steps through this life and see kind of what happened, which was kind of the point of the book to tr try and like leave a family document for my daughter and whoever else wants to check it out. And anyone else who wants to check it out, you know, here's what happened in the, in a life. And the songs became in some ways the best map I had because I could go, okay, it was 1994 and I was finishing that song. What was happening in my life then? And and the song is so evocative that it tends to lead me back there. And so that's, I really structured the whole book around that. And every chapter is just called the name of a song. And there's the song lyrics. And I might not even talk about the song itself in that chapter, but that song is what places me in that part of life, basically. Um, and it's, I sometimes talk about that in the book and sometimes don't, but that, is definitely the structure of it. So I really love that you just said that. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think that's an incredible thing. And I'll definitely have to go check out the book because I obviously have not done that yet. But uh, there's a lot. <laughs> I mean, as you as you say, there's <laughs> there's a lot. I mean, I don't even know if you you know if you've been to the website. Just that simple thing where you just click on here, you know, where the music is, and just this, you know, a huge list of albums pops up. Uh, yeah. And then within those albums, I don't even, you know, I, it's hard with the interface to say it, but, you know, there's all these different names of bands and all these different volumes and budgets and circumstances. And it's just an immense amount of stuff. I actually, I, I did, at some point I put together a playlist on Spotify just for fun and tried to find everything I could on Spotify that either I made or I was a part of making, you know, as a guest on or whatever like mm -hmm. that. And it was, it easily got to 250 songs. Um, and 
I was very surprised, honestly. And I think that probably included maybe some alternate versions of songs. But the point was, it was and you know, certainly some covers. So it wasn't just like all songs I wrote, but noises I've made. And I was, I was surprised, honestly. I, I, I can count them sort of, but even then to see them all in one list, it just, uh, it's a wild feeling. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, that may be an interesting thing for, again, those that are still listening to us uh, at this point, but digging into your, your catalog again, like your catalog by itself is super fucking deep. But then when you start branching out into what you've had your hand in, it is, I mean, you go from, Oh, this is like, you know, this little pond worth of, of content to Holy shit. Like Lake Michigan's over here. Like what the yeah. fuck are we doing? <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I, I would, I would like to think of tender wild in a lot of ways in this context is a bit the tip of an iceberg. I think there's a lot of yeah. different smatterings of noises I've made, and there are some songs to everything we're talking about. Uh, you know, I think what I know is actually kind of an obtuse song. So there are different feelings within this record that I almost feel like if someone were to listen to the record and just pick the song or songs that they enjoyed the most and then use that as a thread to wind back through my musical output, they'd find a ton of stuff like that, but it's scattered across decades and albums. Um, and so, yeah, but tender wild is a neat sonically and literarily. It's a cool little intro course, I think to whatever it is that I do. Yeah, for, for sure. And you know, we, well, maybe I intentionally didn't, talk about any of the guest appearances. Um, but we'll touch on them, you know, briefly just sure, to, sure. to name drop some, you know, you had Zach from Jimmy world, you had, uh, Jeremy from soul asylum, John from far, uh, Norman from Texas is the reason Chris of dashboard confessional, Jake from minus the bear, like for anyone that is, especially anyone that is in the music industry and recognizes those names, like, Talk about a fucking resume, right? Like, I know you don't want to brag on yourself, but those are fucking important names within the music industry. Yeah, it's it's a I I, I often chuckle about yeah, just hanging around this long, and the lifers kind of know the lifers. Um, so it's a, it's a, it was a real community feeling on the record there. Everyone on the record was on there. Well, we were all going through COVID together and, and being locked out and stuff. So it was partly, it was just, Hey, what are you up to? Nothing. Okay. Me too. Let's make a song. Um, and then part of it. Yeah. just felt like a real sweet communal thing with these people from different times in my musical life. And just felt like a sweet gathering so i appreciate you bringing them up because i certainly wouldn't want anyone to feel ignored and yeah the name dropping bragging thing yeah it's it's i i totally i, I appreciate every way you approach that but it is yeah. i think sweet to mention everyone um and they're lesser known people by the way that i will just say out loud uh there's a guy called rod castor who played a bunch of guitar on the record and he's not in any sort of noteworthy indie bands or whatever but he 
plays with Beyonce and he does these like these really incredible things with his life just because he's just this wizard of a guitarist and this angel of a human. So he's all over it. There's a, a an entity called Tomorrow Bird that I'm going to be touring in the UK with and they do a bunch of piano and strings and singing on the record. They're this real rad folk duo. And a guy called Liam Frost duets with me on Hell of a Year and he's a British guy who I've actually never even met. But I was writing this tune about being overwhelmed with 2020 is when it was when it was written. Um, and when it was we really in the thick of all this crazy. And it was there was something beautiful about meeting someone who I'd never met in person and singing a song with them about feeling overwhelmed in the world and feeling grateful to still be alive and sharing that with him and I, I i'm really looking forward to seeing him on this tour i'm going to tour in the uk and uh i hope i'll get to see him for the first time and meet him in person <laughs> uh yeah. so yeah I, I yeah it's it's really it was a very collective effort this album it's, it's a solo album for sure and i wrote all the music and all the things and it's it's the yeah for me it's the coolest combo of solo album and band album i've ever been a part of it feels it feels like a real sweet band or maybe a few bands making a record together or something. Yeah, for sure. I would, I would definitely agree with that. And I think, you know, it's still got this, what do I want to call it? This like hangout feel, I guess is the best way to, to describe it. Like it honestly I love that. just feels like, you know, that it's, like you said, a group of friends hanging out and everybody's like, oh man, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And like, maybe you were just playing the guitar and Chris started to sing or vice versa, you know, like it just feels like it was this very natural hangout. We should record this and, and go with it. Obviously, like you said, with COVID and everything, that wasn't exactly how it happened, but <laughs> that's the feeling that comes across. And I think it's definitely a record for anyone that is just, Hey, we just need something to, to play in the background, chill, vibe, whatever. Like, this is an album for that. I love that. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I would like to think that it'll complement any number of environments. And then, again, if people want to spend time with just the album in their headphones, I think they, they will have a rich, a rich journey. I hope that's true. It certainly is for me. Yeah, absolutely. I would absolutely agree with that. So... Um, hey, thank you, man. To to segue, yeah, to to kind of segue towards the end here. Um, yeah. One of the questions I love asking people now, as you've got a record that's coming out, you know, anytime there's new work, it, it's a fun question for me. Yeah. What are the? It's a two part question. So, what is the Great. song that you think people are going to gravitate towards on this album, and what is the song that you want people to gravitate to on this album? Hmm, that's cool. I like that. That's a sweet little duo. I I think that Don't Give Up is the song that has the most... I think of my songs a lot as sort of how far they will get from me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Don't Give Up has that kind of strange energy where it could go into a lot of people's lives or something. Um, and 
I think if there is one that I would, I would really want people to really dig into. Um, I mean, <laughs> I guess, I guess I'd want a lot of white people to like really listen to when I did drugs like 8 million times <laughs> and think about it. Um, so, you know, there's that, you know, that's the sort of, that's the preacher in me for sure. Um, and I do think it's important to consider such things, you know, again, whatever this existence means or not, there's a lot of, there's a lot of unnecessary pain based on ridiculous outdated concepts based that are all invented for power hoarding. So, uh, yeah. So I think that, but, but outside of that sort of activist kind of feeling, I guess one that's coming to mind that feels like a sleeper on the record, but feels really beautiful is the song, what I know. Um, I wrote it with, with Norman from Texas and who was also with it in a band called new and original with me. And, uh, and played in a band called Gratitude that I was in for a while. And so we've basically, we've known each other for a really long time. And that tune was started uh, many, 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 many years ago and never completed. And so to finish it with Norman and have Zach play on it, it was, I don't know, there's something about the song. It's kind of a sad song or kind of, I don't know, something melancholy maybe is a good word. I don't know what. But there's this bit at the end where I'm kind of screaming, we're not just failures. And I really, I would really love for people to feel all the feelings uh, with that song. Um, yeah, that's that's what, and that, it's funny. The one I want people to listen to, I think that might change moment to moment. The right. the The first one, yeah, that is for a long time been don't give up. It's just, it's just got, it's almost like the song I can listen to and especially the chorus and kind of forget that I wrote it. It just kind of feels like it exists. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the one for me. Yeah, no, I, I think those are all great choices. I think for me, um, the one that I think people will end up resonating with is going to be don't give up or, yep. and that, that may be a little bit of my hope too, because I do think it's such an important message that I, I hope that it resonates with that many people as well. Yeah. Um, you might've said it really simply, actually. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I hope that it does too, actually. So that's, that's cut. I think I might've, I might've not wanted to have it do double duty or something, but maybe when I don't overthink it, maybe that's exactly right. Cause <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's cool. Thank you for yeah. saying that. Yeah, no, and then I think the one that I, I, the flip side of that, I guess, the one that I, if I have to pick something different that I hope people resonate with or that that gets its moment, uh, for me, is You're a Home, because I just yeah. think that's another one that that message is so powerful that I think when when it hits people, when it hits the right people, it's really going to leave a mark, and you know, open some eyes to like, this is a moment that I need to actually pay attention to. Yeah. It's really sweet. There's a thing that I do where I make recordings for people. Uh, I call them unique recordings. And 
sort of like a commission piece of art, except it's a song and not a painting or whatever. Um, but a guy just requested the song, You're a Home. He requested a version of it that I make a version of it that's dedicated to him and his family that have been going through a lot of stuff. And so to tie up a lot, actually to tie up a lot of what we've been talking about, it's beautiful to be asked. It's beautiful to be asked about that song in particular, which isn't an overtly poppy promoted song. Um, and it's a, yeah, it's this tune giving someone else some comfort in this life. And so I would, I would really love for that song to give a lot of people a lot of comfort. I, that song, when it, it just has a really sweet ocean mood to it. And I would love for people to have that in their lives. That's true. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Um, so for hopefully anybody that's, uh, you know, still here, um, this episode, I'm actually going to uh, be throwing up as a bonus episode because I've got way too much shit in the cool. can, if you will. Uh, cool. So um, I'm going to get this up, I think, uh, next week. So before your tour over in the UK. So for anybody that is listening to this, hopefully in the UK, what do you want to say about this little, you know, two week run that you're going to be doing over there in the UK? Cool. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the record will be out and the whole thing. I guess I just want to say thank you for even supporting me such that I'm having a conversation with someone about this music. Uh, I want to say that let's have a really fucking good time. Let's be respectful of one another and be protective of one another and care about each other. Cause that's the whole point of getting together. And let's just have a fucking blast because we might die tomorrow. So let's do it. Let's do some fun shit. I think yeah. that's what I got to say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, it sounds dramatic, but like, like we said, you know, I had the near death experience last year. Many people have obviously had different experiences. I've had mine. Yeah. You know, whether it was COVID or not, you know, like there's so many near death experiences that like awaken you to that that real concept that I don't fucking know how long I'm going to be on this planet. So why would I not try to do everything I can? Yep. And I certainly don't seem to be in control of it. You know, I mean, right. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I understand that suicide is an option and that's a really complex one in and of itself, but outside of willfully hurting myself or ending my life, I don't seem to be in control of how long I will live. And there's something really thrilling and, and, wonderful about that yeah absolutely um, um so anyway yeah 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 no uh so obviously i'll link all your socials and everything but cool. where yeah, can please people, do. yeah where can they find you what what's the best way to interact with you online my favorite way is just jonahmatranga.com uh i have a weird name and the cool thing about having a weird name and the internet is that even if you horribly misspell that name and add the word music, you will find me. And I would suggest going to jonamontranga.com. It's the easiest and most direct and personal way to keep in touch with me. And that's the way I like the most. And then for socials, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and the names are kind of, you know, they shift around and stuff. So I'd say start at the website and move out from there and yeah. see what, see what, see what, 
see what you like and what you don't and enjoy it all. Yeah, for sure, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Yeah, and, you too, you know, man. The the depth of the conversation that we ended up having, like I said, went way deeper than I intended, but you know, Good. I'm here for it. And I think that's something that hopefully whether they're a new fan or an old fan of yours, like I think this may be one of those moments that if they've not gotten to interact with you personally, maybe opens them up to like, oh shit, like, you know, he's just a fucking human being. I can go talk to a human being. Yeah, well, that's been the whole, yeah, my whole my whole thing, uh, for better and for worse, is to go deep and to be real and to break down all those stupid rock artist, rock audience walls um, and just be creatures with each other. So I'm really happy we did that today. And yes, if anyone has been listening and has been enjoying that feeling, then I would love to do that with you as well. This is the way I want conversations to be, whether they're professional in nature or just someone I just met at a cafe. It's just, it's the same thing. So I just appreciate you jumping in with me and not being worried about it and just kind of going for it. And and anytime you want to talk further, I really appreciate you making time for me and being a person who's helping amplify other people's thoughts in the world. So just thanks. Yeah, absolutely, man. I super appreciate you saying that because, you know, like you said earlier about when people say it to you as far as like you were an inspiration to my music or whatever, like hearing that as the music journalist is always a nice thing too. Cause you know, I don't, I don't want to sound uh, ungrateful, but you know, we're unsung heroes to some extent, you know, we don't necessarily uh, always get those little pats on the back that, you know, people appreciate what we're doing. And I don't mean that to sound like, spiteful i just mean it as like no i hear you just tell the truth yeah you know the like the podcast it's very much like your music it goes out i may hear something on it and i may not and it's like cool did you guys like it like please tell me i'm pretty (laughs) (laughs) yeah no um, but i experience you as a creature that's doing what they love and that's what i like to be around so i just I, i just and i have a bit of a utopian sort of stripe running through me that's if everyone just kind of does what they really love then everything gets a lot simpler and a lot better uh so i hope you keep doing it i hope it keeps bringing people joy and i really appreciate the conversation today yeah absolutely man i appreciate your time have a great night and i will let you know as soon as this goes live and you know hopefully you'll uh do a u.s tour soon and we'll catch up on that well yeah wait where do you live uh indiana Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'll be seeing you at some point. Awesome, man. Keep in touch, man. Will do for sure. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. And that was my conversation with Jonah of One Line Drawing. Um, Again, huge shout out to him. Big thank you for taking the time to do this conversation. Um, Really hope you guys listened all the way through and took something away from that you know whether it's about his music if it was about the super deep and weird spiritual thing that that he and i got into um you know kind of telling our perspective about how life exists and how we're all just pieces of matter and energy and you know things like that um again i want you to check out this new album from him because it is fucking dope. Uh, it is called Tender Wild. 
It is dropping today, if you're listening to this podcast on June 24th. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast after June 24th, it's already out, so go check it out. Uh, <laughs> it is coming out via Iodine Records. You can find it you know, anywhere that you're streaming music. You can purchase it uh, through your normal channels as well. Um, and yeah, make sure that you go over, obviously I'm going to link all of the social medias and stuff, but go over and, and give Jonah a like, a follow, you know, whatever. Um, because this is a guy that truly is doing what he loves and has been doing it for a very long time. And, um, I think he's one of those people that if you were to go look at his, his, uh, resume, if you will, you've probably heard him before or seen his influence before and just not realized who it was. So, um, again, go check him out. Uh, let us know what you thought of the episode in the comments of this uh, post. Um, you know, huge, huge, huge thank you to everybody that listened all the way through. Uh, tell us what your favorite song on this album was because... Um, you know, Jonah and I kind of talked about that towards the end there on what song people were going to gravitate to and things like that. And I think that there's a, a little bit of easy target uh, in a sense. I think he's right. I think Don't Give Up is probably going to be the one that uh, you guys initially are, are really hyped on. So, yeah, just let us know what you guys thought. Tons of new episodes coming out. Um an insane amount if we're being very honest i've got so much stuff in the in the hard drive uh ready to go so just make sure that you like subscribe and follow this podcast our instagram um facebook you know we're most active probably on instagram but definitely would love to hear what you guys think and yeah let's keep this shit going you know let's definitely um you know push as hard as we can because there are again some really fucking cool guests that i have coming on uh and some potential guests that are going to be huge as well and i would just love to uh bring all that to you so um i've said it a couple times at the end of episodes now too uh i am looking to potentially collaborate on some new merch the person that i had lined up bailed on me uh it is what it is uh no hard feelings or anything like that but definitely you know exploring some options so if you or someone that you know does merch design kind of like illustrations graphic design uh let me know and we'll see if we can't come up with something together and and put you know some more new merch out there that way as well uh but there are some new products going up as well so head over to youmakethescene.com shop and check out what we have there and then the last thing before we uh finally tie off this episode is um again i don't talk about this a whole lot uh you know i don't promote it a whole lot i don't know exactly why other than i don't want to sound like i'm you know being a ridiculous uh wannabe influencer or something but uh you know concert seasons in full swing summer festivals things like that uh your hearing is definitely more important than you fucking realize 
You're not too cool to wear earplugs. You're not too young for the fucking damage to happen. Uh, I am 37 years old. I didn't wear earplugs for probably the first... Man. The first 20 years of going to shows at least. And now I do. And it helps so much. No more after-show muffled bullshit or ringing. Um, check out Eargasm earplugs. I personally use the high-fidelity earplugs. Uh, you can use the promo code you make the scene, all one word. You'll get 10% off of your order. Um, they have all kinds of different sizes and different styles, depending on what you're actually using them for, things like that. So definitely go pick up a set um, because, again, you're not too cool to start losing your hearing. Uh, I'm 37, and I definitely don't have as good a hearing as I should, and it fucking sucks sometimes. So do that. Uh, yeah, and that's everything. So remember, guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.